Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across America. The phone number is 877-973-7425. As always, you can text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. Follow me all over social media. I You should follow me on Instagram. I'm almost like 25,000 followers, which is like a big deal for me. You should follow me on Instagram. Um, it's, it's where I kind of live life the most. You can see all of my fantastic pictures from when I was in the Grand Canyon on, on Saturday. (laughs) Okay. We got to talk about, we got to talk about domestic politics for, forget all the other stuff out there. Joe Biden, God bless him. You, you got to understand this about Biden. He may have been the only Democrat who could beat Trump in 2020, maybe the only Democrat who could beat Trump in 2024, but he's never been a fantastic politician. He was a a big fish in the small pond of Delaware. He got to be vice president of the United States and was often the butt of jokes within the Obama White House, and now he's president of the United States, and you literally have Democrats on background telling members of the media they've got to figure out a way to get um, get Joe Biden off the elixir of elected office. They think he's drunk on power. They, they think he can't give up power. They think he, he doesn't know how to do anything other than run for office. And they're worried about him in 2024. And this is the backdrop. There is a, there is a nagging suspicion, despite what you hear so much of in the press, There is a nagging suspicion that Joe Biden will not be able to beat the Republican in 2024 because that Republican will not be named Trump. The Democrats are hoping beyond hope. In fact, you get the sense the way outside groups like the Lincoln Project and others are maneuvering against DeSantis and other candidates. You get the strong sense they're doing everything they can to make sure Trump is the Republican nominee. All of these Democratic forces are aligned to make sure Trump is the nominee, and they got a playbook from 2022. Remember, in 2022, Democrats went after the viable candidates, the ones who could win, and attacked them as not sufficiently pro-Trump, and a lot of Republicans bit it, picked people who would lose in the general election, and they did lose in the general election. But in order to pull that off, one of the things Biden has to do is pivot. He's been too aligned with progressives the first two years, and it's showing up in polling. His public opinion polling at this point is worse than Donald Trump's. One of the things Biden did is he pivoted hard last week on the D.C. crime bill and wound up throwing House Democrats under the bus. Now, let me set this one up for you. In fact, let me me play for you if I can. Um, Do I have this audio... I thought I did, and maybe I don't. Uh, no, I guess I, I don't have the audio. Um, Corrine Jean-Pierre, the White House. Yes, I do. Listen to this. This is Corrine Jean-Pierre, the idiot White House press secretary. What I can say, so as it relates to D.C., I'll say this, and the president has been very clear about this. Um, you know, I, we think um, uh, that we must do more to, uh, to, uh, to reduce crime and save lives. Uh, and that's why the president has taken those actions uh, as it relates to more D.C. more broadly. And the president has said this as well. It's a clear example why D.C. deserves statehood. Right. And that's something that the president has called for uh, since the campaign. OK, she's trying to thread a needle poorly. 
Washington, D.C. is set aside in the U.S. Constitution as a territory not to exceed 10 miles square. Now, people misunderstand this. Uh, People think that 10 miles square means 10 square miles. No, it doesn't. 10 miles square means a square with 10 miles on each side, 100 square miles. Uh, the, the, the district was designed to be 100 square miles. They ceded back to Virginia its portion. So now it's like 68, I think, square miles. Uh, but it was always supposed to be a federal district. And the reason was because in 1783, Congress was meeting in Philadelphia. And there were a series of riots, Pennsylvania riots. Uh, They were reacting to the Congress and the taxation and the problems. They were trying to draft the new Constitution. And the Congress packed up and had to flee to Trenton, New Jersey. So when it came time to draft the Constitution to replace the Articles of Confederation, Congress allocated for itself 10-mile square that would be controlled by Congress and by by the federal government. They did not want to be beholden to a state. In the 1970s, 1980s, uh, Congress decided to give Washington, D.C. home rule. A committee of Congress no longer ran D.C. It was handed over to the locals, and the locals have run the District of Columbia into the ground. One of the things that the locals have done is they tried to rewrite the crime law in Washington, D.C. Well, let me put in perspective for you what they were going to do. They got rid of life sentences for everything. They got rid of life sentences for murder. They got rid of life sentences for repeated arsons. They got rid of life sentences for everything. And then they got rid of mandatory minimums for everything except murder. So no longer was there a mandatory minimum for anything. Uh, you, it couldn't be an automatic five years, an automatic 10 years, no more mandatory minimums. And then they got rid of maximums. So in Washington, D.C., if you committed a crime and had a gun on you, you used to be able to get a maximum of 15 years for the possession of a gun. They reduced it to four years. They got rid of the mandatory minimums for burglary and arson and robbery and home invasion, they reduced the maximums. They reduced the penalties for home invasion. They reduced the penalties for carjackings, all of these things on the rise in D.C., by the way. And in Washington, because it is controlled by Congress, they had to get Congress's permission on the revision of the legislation. House Republicans blocked it. House Republicans voted to kill it. They were joined by a couple of members of Congress, including Angie Craig, uh, a Democrat from Minnesota, who the morning of the vote was attacked by a D.C. resident in her elevator. He was probably going to rape her or kill her. She threw her hot coffee in his face to get off of him or to get him off of her. He had already been arrested more than 11 times. The chief of police in the in District of Columbia that opposed the legislation said that it is typically 11 times a murderer will be arrested in D.C. 11 times before being arrested for murder instead of it's a problem. And the D.C. Uh, city government was going to make it worse. So Joe Biden came out and said, this is all about sovereignty. This is the, the District of Columbia is owed sovereignty and we should have their backs and support their sovereignty. They should be a state anyway. 
House Democrats read his message as a signal to vote against the crime bill, to to vote for lax crime, to vote for anarchy in Washington, D.C., to vote against being tough on crime, and they proceeded to do so. And the legislation to repeal D.C.'s crime law went to the Senate, and Joe Manchin said he would vote for it. Not only would Joe Manchin vote for it, other Democrats said they would vote for it as well. So Joe Biden came out and announced he would not veto this Republican measure. He would not veto it. The first major win of the Republicans was a tough-on-crime measure that Joe Biden said he wouldn't veto. House Democrats were furious. They felt like Joe had thrown them under the bus because he'd come out and said, support D.C. sovereignty. They said, okay, we will vote against this legislation even though we think it would show that we're tough on crime. And they voted to be weak on crime because they thought Joe Biden was telling them to. They feel betrayed. And now it happened again yesterday. The president on the campaign trail bemoaned Donald Trump's immigration positions. If you'll recall, when Donald Trump was president, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez actually uh, went down to the border and called them concentration camps. She encouraged a guy to firebomb an ICE facility. The man got shot and killed in the process of firebombing an ICE facility. If words matter, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez claiming these were concentration camps got that man killed, and the media gave her a pass. The Democrats have protested the detainment of families at the border. The Democrats have said it was bad. You should allow these people to come into the United States. And yet the New York Times, as I mentioned yesterday, is reporting that Joe Biden has decided to reverse himself and re-implement Donald Trump's containment policies at the border. Why? Because it's becoming a hot-button political issue. And as much as Democrats don't want those people detained at the border, most Americans do. The Democrats are very mad. The lack of communication on immigration-related policy decisions is an insult, says Bob Menendez, Democrat from New Jersey. It would be like making civil rights legislative ideas and thoughts without checking with the Congressional Black Caucus. Raul Gravalia of Arizona says a return to border detentions would be callous and inhumane. Maxwell Frost says he's disgusted and disappointed with the White House. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, people. I mean, this this is this is the issue. This this is the problem. Joe Biden has got to do something with the border. He can't get Democrats to do anything about the border. Joe Biden cannot get Democrats in the Senate and the House to secure the American border. Therefore, he has to resort to Donald Trump's detention policies that these people are all opposed to. All they got to do is build a wall. If they built the wall, they secured the border, they would actually not have to worry about this problem. But they don't want to build the wall because that's what Donald Trump wanted to do. And they don't want to do anything Donald Trump wanted to do, no matter how good an idea it is. They would rather these people come across the border. But by allowing these people to come across the border, they're causing themselves a political problem because the American people don't want these people across the border. They're flooding cities across America with illegal aliens. The American people are mad. Joe Biden has to do something or it's going to be a campaign issue Republicans will use against him. And the House Democrats and the Senate Democrats are like, this is deeply disgusting. How dare he act like Donald Trump? He can't win with these people. 
Joe Biden ran a campaign claiming he would be loyal to the progressive side. If they would just vote for him, he would be loyal. (laughs) And now they're mad. Now they're mad because he's not loyal. Why? Because of his polling. This is another signal Joe Biden wants to run for re-election. This is another signal that Joe Biden is planning on rolling out his campaign. And one of the things he's got to do is he's got to fix his border problem, his border weakness. He's got real weakness at the border. He's having a hard time dealing with it. He's having a hard time finding a way forward. He's having a harder, harder time because progressives don't want him to do the things that would work because those are the things Donald Trump did. And Joe Biden now, by doing the things Donald Trump would do, is discrediting himself with progressives, even as he's trying to make himself more moderate or seem more moderate to independent voters to get their votes in 2024. And it's probably not going to work because he's probably going to alienate progressives along the way and maybe set himself up for more stories in the New York Times about how really he's unfit to run for office again, according to Democrats on background. It's all kind of glorious to watch. Welcome, America. It is Eric Erickson here. The full number 877-973-7425. Let me take a phone call here from Brooke. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show, Brooke. Hey, Eric, can you hear me? I can hear you. That's great. I listen to you every day in the car. I'm in sales. I'm on the road. And your comment about our president waffling back and forth just struck me. I'm actually talking to you in the car going, Eric, what is going on here? So (laughs) my comment is, I mean, literally, I'm sure the people next to me in the car are like, this woman's nuts. But um, anyway, my point is, when do our senators, our congressmen, and our presidents, Stop being a Democrat or Republican and start being a president or a senator, respecting and and taking care of us. I understand they have to have lanes that they're in. But when did they take the responsibility for being in the office that they are and stop waffling? And then secondarily, we see them do this. This is not rocket science what they're doing. When are we as a populace? going to start paying attention and understanding it and holding them accountable because we can't seem to do so. Yeah, you you know, this is one of my frustrations, Brooke, and and you articulated so well. There was a time, whether you liked George Bush or not, uh, he viewed himself as everybody's president, and he took responsibility for things. And then Obama came along, and it was very much that it was us versus them. Uh, to take guns to knife fights, uh, tell people Republicans are your enemies. He, he he weaponized and divided people, and Trump just played off of that, and now Biden's playing off of Trump, and, and we've got a president who seems to only think that he represents part of the people. I mean, we've got 107,355 people going to die this year from fentanyl, and the White House is telling people today, actually, we've got less coming across the border now than Donald Trump. Who the hell cares? You've still got too much, and 107,000 people are going to die. I just lost a dear friend's son to fentanyl in July, and it it nearly knocked me out. And I was in a sales meeting, and my entire team was stunned because it's that close to you. It's that close to all of us, and we as a populace cannot seem to get our blankety-blank in gear and get these people that we've elected to do the job we are paying them for. And I don't understand why we are that foolish. I just Amen don't. To it's that. not even them. 
they are doing exactly what they need to do to get elected. Oh, yeah. We're not yep. holding, it's our Look, fault. It, it, it is. At, at some point, we get the government we voted for. Brooke, i got to let you go there, but I, I appreciate it. And, and, yeah, you know, at some point, the public has to deserve some of the blame for voting for this sort of stuff. I want you to vote for Omaha Steaks by going to omahasteaks.com and filling up your cart with deliciousness to be delivered to your door. And if you put Eric in at checkout, E-R-I-C-K, you get 30 extra dollars off. It is their semi-annual sale. Right now, you're saving incredibly, like 50% off site-wide, and an addition 30%, $30 more off your order if you put Eric in as your promo code at checkout. You can get amazing seafood. You can get great quality steaks, the bacon wrap fillets, the New York strips, so much more for Omaha Steaks. They've got briskets. You, I've had one of their briskets. They're fantastic. You get ready-made sides. You get ready-made desserts. Uh, you can even get comfort foods. By the time your kids are asking you what's for supper, it's already coming out of the oven thanks to Omaha Steaks, and it gets delivered to your door. They've got a 100% satisfaction guarantee. They've been doing this since 1917. They want you as a lifetime customer. I have been ordering from them since the 90s when I was in college and law school. I've never had anyone disappointed. OmahaSteaks.com. That's the website, OmahaSteaks.com. At checkout, you'll see a promo code box. It'll say, put in your promo code, and you put in my first name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K. You will save 30 extra dollars off your order, and you're already getting the semi-annual sale, 50% off savings site-wide. Incredible savings, incredible value, incredible food, incredible flavor, all from our friends at OmahaSteaks.com. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. This happened. Unfortunately, I can't play the audio for you. Um, And let me explain what I'm talking about and why I can't play the audio. You know, Democrats and members of the media are assailing conservatives for what they claim are book bans. It is not book bans. It is age-appropriate content, putting explicit uh, explicit sexual material into books for elementary school students so that they can find it. That's what conservatives are, are against, and that's actually what's been happening. It's not a book ban. Here, this is part of, I think, what I can safely play on the radio for you. Um, There's not a lot in this that I can. And let me explain what happened after you hear this. Many weeks. So first of all, I think that that video, I think some of the news had to cut the feed because it's graphic. And we've... uh heard different things put out. There was a Duval County school video where they took a a video of empty bookshelves and they say the state of Florida doesn't want books. You know, they're trying to censor books and all this stuff. Turned out that was a hoax. Turned out that individual who did that in the school system was fired. Uh, You've also had other things where they tried to say that you're not allowed to teach certain basic things that, that we require. Uh, Some of those folks have been put uh, on discipline and will likely lose their jobs. So a lot of that, what's been going on, is an attempt to create a a political narrative. And it's a false political narrative, and that's that's bad enough as it is, I guess. But but for me, uh, the important thing is, is that's a false narrative in service of using our schools uh, for indoctrination rather than education. So what he referenced at the beginning... They decided to show the books 
that they've taken out of the elementary schools and not just show the books, but read the content of the books. And the national news media had to bail on the press conference because it was too explicit. And, and that you, you got to understand this. You, you've got to understand this. The national news media that is upset with Florida's governor taking inappropriate materials out of elementary schools, they have assailed him for this, claimed he was censoring stuff, and when his team read the actual text of the books, the very same news outlets criticizing Ron DeSantis had to cut the news feeds because it was too explicit. The material was too explicit for television. If it's too explicit for TV to air, perhaps it is too explicit for an elementary school. They're not banning this stuff from high schools. It's elementary schools. And what you also heard him say is the video is well circulated all over social media. It was a, a news feed that showed all these books that had been taken out of a uh, Duval County school in Florida. Turns out it wasn't true. The school employee who called the media there had taken the books, had no reason to take the books, claimed the books were all now banned, got a national news story out of it, and it was all a lie. And that person's been fired. But I've seen liberals circulate that news clip repeatedly without the correction that this person did it as a stunt and the news media got played. But when Ron DeSantis attempted to read the actual pages of the actual books, the National Press Corps had to bail on his press conference because the material was too explicit for a general public audience. If it's too explicit for a general public audience, I would submit to you it's too explicit for a third grader. They don't see the irony of the contradictions. Dude is playing them. It is is remarkable just how much Ron DeSantis is playing these people. And they, they don't get it. It's to some degree, it's kind of like the Tucker Carlson situation. They don't even realize the way Tucker Carlson talked about the January 6th riot was using the same phrases the rest of the media used about the George Floyd riots. They don't even get that. One more from DeSantis. I, I, I played this 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 earlier, this this blogger ban. I, I won't duplicate the audio. I'll just tell you. You know, they're coming after him as well for the blogger ban, as I mentioned. And yet, and yet, he never supported it. He opposed it out of the gate. As soon as he learned about it, he opposed it. And they're still attacking him for this sort of stuff. Now, I, I got to pivot here because I got to play you some audio. And this one is infuriating to me. And I'm kind of bailing on what I was going to talk about right now because of this audio. This is uh, Corrine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary. Listen to this. So cartels kill Americans on this side of the border with drugs. And now they're killing Americans on the other side of the border with guns. Why is President Biden so comfortable with cartels operating so close to the U.S.? Well, let's be very clear. Let me take on the drug part here because since you brought this up, um, because of the work that this president has done, because of what we've done specifically on fentanyl at the border, it's at historic lows, historic levels uh, that we have been able to uh, record a number of personnel working to secure the border because of what we've been able to do. Seizing that fentanyl, uh, we've done it in a historic way. That's because of what this president has done. I just talked about 23,000 federal agents that have been able to be, uh, uh, that we've been able to hire and put at the border to secure the border. 
That's what they claim. Here's Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. Well, the cost of doing business when it comes to fentanyl needs to go up. We need uh, stiffer punishments. FTO designation would allow us to put these people in jail longer and allow us to go after the networks all over the world. But if you blow up a couple of these labs and kill the drug dealers, they'd have a hard time getting somebody else to come in and open up the new lab. So what did Clinton do? He sent the American military as advisors to help the Columbia military to get on the ground to hit it at its source. You're never going to win this game at the border. You need to tell Mexico you're harboring drug cartels. You're giving them safe havens. They're terrorizing Americans. They kidnapped four Americans, three of them from South Carolina, killed two of them today. Enough is enough. So let's use every tool in the toolbox to go after them at their source. Use every tool. I don't want to keep pounding on a broken drum. I don't want to beat a dead horse. don't want to do any of those things. But I want to read you an article from January 21st of this year. At least 225,797 people were apprehended entering the United States illegally nationwide in December of 2022. 225,797 people in just the month of December, according to official U.S. Customs and Border Protection data released late Friday. Combining official apprehension data with preliminary Border Patrol reported Godaway data obtained by the Center Square, a record 87,631 in Godaways. December numbers total 313,428, another record. December's total was greater than November's uh, record-breaking total. The Godaways. We don't talk about the Godaways. Kareem Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, wants us to know that Joe Biden uh, has uh, seized more fentanyl at the border than Donald Trump's administration and that less is coming across the border. What they do not want to tell you is that we're having a record number of gotaways, more than 50,000 a month in gotaways. A gotaway is someone who got away from the Border Patrol and was not captured. How many of those people had fentanyl on them? How many of those people had fentanyl on them? We don't know because they got away. They can brag all they want about what they're doing to deal with the fentanyl crisis, but 50,000 people a month are getting away from the Border Patrol, and we don't know how many of them are carrying fentanyl. We have no idea. I, I here, Here's my frustration with this. This goes back to the caller, Brooke, earlier. Is there anyone listening right now who doesn't think there's a fentanyl problem? Do any of you think there's really not a problem? 107,355 deaths last year from fentanyl. You think that's not a problem? Do you really think... 50,000 people a month escaping Border Patrol's control, escaping from Border Patrol. Do you, do you really think that's not a problem? There was a story last month about 
how the drug cartels do this. The drug cartels work with the coyotes. The coyotes are people who smuggle humans across the Mexican-American border. The coyotes send the innocent illegal aliens, just follow along with me here, they send the innocent illegal aliens one direction, and then they make sure the border patrol goes in that direction. The people who are not the criminals, the people who their only law they're breaking is crossing the U.S. border, but otherwise they're not human traffickers, they're not drug runners, they're not gun runners, they're not felons already coming, they're just breaking the law by coming to the country. They go one direction. Once the coyotes know that the border patrol is after them, then they send the fentanyl pushers in a different direction so that the border patrol doesn't catch them. Those are the gotaways. Those are the gotaways. This administration wants credit for cracking down on fentanyl. How much is flooding the country that we don't know about? Well, we know there are 50,000 people a month who are getting into this country without being tracked by the Border Patrol. And that's a lowball estimate from the Border Patrol itself. Some of those people are carrying fentanyl. And I don't really care that you are doing a crack job of getting rid of fentanyl. You're not doing enough. There's so many more tools at the disposal of the President of the United States. But just just think about it. This President is more interested in firing soldiers, sailors, and Marines for not getting the COVID vaccine than in stopping the fentanyl from coming across the border. This president is more interested in keeping a tennis player out of this country from a tennis tournament than he is keeping the fentanyl runners from crossing the border illegally. This president is more interested in stopping Israel from cracking down on Iran, getting a nuclear bomb than he is on the fentanyl runners coming into this country. This president is more interested in working with Ukraine to stop Russia than he is working with states to stop all the border incursions at the southern border. This president's priorities are deeply screwed up and Americans are literally dying because of his priorities. How many more Americans must die of fentanyl before this president gives a damn? Does something have to happen to his crackhead son before he gives a damn? It shouldn't. God forbid something happens to his son who's already had all sorts of drug problems. But the president should be able to show some empathy for Americans whose kids are dying of this drug and not just have his press secretary cite wrote data on how much he's doing when we know it's not enough. The data is there to show us it is not enough. This president should not have to live a terrible experience through his family before he acts on behalf of other American families. To claim the border is hunky-dory, okay, and fentanyl's not a problem because they've done historic things is disputed by reality itself. Mr. President, kids are dying of this. Parents are dying of this. And it's not just the drug. It's the gangs your party has historically refused to acknowledge have set up shop in Democrat-controlled American cities. On a daily basis now, I get people who email and say, follow the money, follow the money. Maybe, maybe the Bidens are making money off this stuff. I have a hard time believing that. But what else explains it? 
you're trying to brag that you've done more than the prior administration or any other administration on fentanyl, it wasn't as big a problem in those administrations. It's a huge problem now. Anything you do is probably going to be bigger than what those administrations did because you're dealing with a problem they weren't dealing with. And it's a problem largely of your own making, Mr. President. We should not have to wait for tragedy to strike your family for you to take this problem seriously, not as a public health crisis, but as a war on American families by China using Mexican drug lords as proxies. It's time to snap out of it, grow up, grow up here, and take serious action. Now, some of you are dealing with noxious smells in your house, and you're wondering, you need to go to war with the noxious smells. What do you do? Well, can I recommend the Eden Pure Thunderstorm? It is a small handheld air purifier. Well, handheld. You can hold it in the palm of your hand. It's a little bigger than your hand. You can plug it into the wall or you can plug it in with a USB cord. If you're in a car, has USB outlets, that's a great way to run it in your car. I have done that when I accidentally blew cigar smoke in my car and my wife got mad at me. That's another story. Nonetheless, it worked. It wiped out the odors. You can get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200 by going to EdenPureDeals.com. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code box on the front page of that website, it's just my name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K. You put in Eric, you get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200. You're saving $200 and you're getting free shipping. You get it all at EdenPureDeals.com. You get one for the upstairs, one for the downstairs, one for your basement or your travel bag like I do or your RV, wherever you need them. They wipe out odors, smoke odors, litter box odors, pet odors, cooking odors, musty odors. They just eliminate them. They work. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is Eric. Put it in the website. Get three of them for less than $200. EdenPureDeals.com. This is the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan, wherever you are nationwide. The phone number or I'm sorry, the website for them is FirstLibertyGA.com. Wherever you are nationwide, FirstLibertyGA.com. Uh, FirstLibertyGA.com. They can help your business grow where other banks are telling you no. FirstLibertyGA.com. The phone number for this program, 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. So this one is a little bit personal for me. Uh, We have a 17-year-old who is having to go through the SAT process and the ACT process and take all the tests. This is from... National Review last Wednesday, Columbia University formally announced it would no longer require SAT, ACT scores for its applicants. It will permit applicants to submit test scores, but its stated criteria for candidate evaluation has become holistic or, in its words, purposeful and nuanced respecting varied backgrounds, voices, and experiences in order to best determine an applicant's suitability for admission and ability to thrive in our curriculum and our community and to advance access to our educational opportunities. Columbia isn't the first institution of higher learning to make standardized testing requirements optional, but it's the first Ivy League university to do so. To be clear, Everyone in the world of academia understands this to be a pretext and a shabby one at that. What Columbia is doing and what more elite universities may do in the immediate future is preparing itself for the Supreme Court's upcoming ruling on students for fair admissions versus Harvard and students for fair admission versus University of North Carolina. Cases argued jointly before the court in October 
The upcoming decision is expected, given the composition of the court, to either strike down or severely limit the sorts of explicit affirmative action regimes employed by college admissions. Now, look, there have been so many people who have claimed standardized tests are racist or what have you because certain kids don't do well on them. Those kids tend to come from worse schools. My kid is struggling to bring up her SAT grade. She wants to go to Georgia Tech badly. She's almost where she needs to be on the SAT. She's got to take the the ACT as well. Uh, I hope she does it. She's putting in the work to bring up her grades, to bring up her scores. And more and more schools are penalizing the kids willing to do the work to put in kids who haven't done the work or haven't gone to schools where work is valued. And that just seems wrong to me.